Wellness with More podcast is a podcast that discusses all mental health issues and wellness issues. We get different guests from around the world that share their amazing stories and journeys through difficult and uh, challenging times. Welcome back to another episode of Wellness with Mo. Hi, my name is Mo, and this week's episode, I have an amazing person. She is a former uh, police officer and co-owner of uh, the Growth Pod, uh, Emma Kohler. Uh, I hope, of course, I pronounced your name, Emma, correctly. Uh, how, how are you? How, how's everything? And, and I'm really excited for today's episode. I'm really great. Thanks, Mo. Uh, thanks for asking me here. Um, yeah, in the UK, and we've finally got some sunshine, which is very nice. It always makes you feel much better, doesn't it, when the sun's out? I'm 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 really uh, jealous and envy uh, envy of you. you. Have sunshine and and everything's good. We have sunshine here, but it's <laughs> quite cold for uh, January. But that's uh, that's normal. Uh, it's like you know, we have a, a week or so, then things start to uh, warm, and then going. Uh, spring uh, spring break so uh, I, I'm really interested uh, to know more about you and uh, and uh, it's really amazing you know um, like I said to many guests before you uh, uh, I'm so so humbled and, and privileged to meet amazing individuals around the world and to bring them closer to my part of the world where people uh, want to listen and uh, and see and try and relate that they can become a different person because it's a it's a normal thing it's not you know we're not you know ma- magicians or uh, we have a, a magicistic become different so I like always to start off with the podcast with you know simple thing what's your journey like how did you become from a former police officer to the co-owner of uh, growth pod and what is growth pod because I don't think my listeners really know what it is. Okay, yeah, brilliant. Thank you. Well, I guess if we start with where I'm at right now, uh, and then move backwards, if that's okay, probably would make more sense. Yeah, yeah. Sure. go ahead. Yeah, so GrowthPod, um, my colleague and I, Chris Gibson, um, Chris is ex-military. Um, so he um, has done some incredible things in his own right. Um, we met and uh, just felt a real connection together in some of our thinking, our values, and made a decision that we wanted to create a company. So we created GrowthPod, which is a company that is interested in creating outstanding workplace cultures. So we were both really interested in how do we help organizations to create these amazing places that people can go to work and they feel good and they can flourish and and they can feel engaged and they can feel motivated. And the reason that we do that is because Chris has experienced that from from his work in the military and working in extreme circumstances and really understands what the elements are that helps to create that outstanding culture and connection. And I have also experienced what it's like to work in a culture that's not so great. Uh, So I was a police officer. Um, I joined the police service after university. So I went to university um, studying psychology, social science, social policy. And I met 
there a police officer and he was an inspector, an incredible character, really wonderful person. And the police were paying for him to do his degree. Doing, he was doing the same degree that I was doing. And I was always kind of a little bit unsure, even at university, what did I want to do? So I knew I wanted to do something around service, serving others. So I was kind of between, was it going to be like social work or probation or something in that kind of field? And he said to me, oh, my gosh, Emma, come and see what it's like to be in the police. And and uh, back in the day, he let me <clears throat> spend some time with um, some of his officers. And I went out in a police car on patrol with them. And I was hooked. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is just the best job ever. So I applied to join. So my first job out of university, really, my biggest job was um, as a police officer. <clears throat> and I went through my police training and it was it was incredible. I really enjoyed it. And then um, in the police service at that point, you went away to do your training and then you came back to the force that you were going to be working in. And you weren't in a tutor unit. So it was an, a, a place, a space, a safe space that you could start to embed all of your learning. And then you eventually went onto a shift. And I was put onto a shift with a sergeant who then over time consistently bullied me and sexually harassed me. So pretty much the first two years of my police service, I did not have a good time. You know, I, I, I found that I was in this place where the culture was really toxic. Um, you know, we've seen so much in the media right now around policing and how toxic policing is in the UK um, internally um, with bullying and harassment, victimization. You know, we've seen some really extreme examples uh, more recently um, with police officers obviously committing incredibly serious crimes here in the UK and a lot of work trying to be done about how to unpick that culture. Um, and, and it was embedded through all of the layers and levels. Um, you know, one of the first things I remember was that um, when you came into the police, into the tutor unit, they would put all, all of your pictures on the wall, for example, and I, I found out later on, I didn't realize at the time that um, some of the men that worked in the police station would come down and pick out who was the prettiest police officer that was just starting and, um, you know, who who might be the first person to turn the head of that person, if I say that in a, in a polite way. Um, and this was just accepted as normal behavior. And eventually... My, my own personal journey through this first few years of, of having someone who was there to support me, they were my manager, my leader, my sergeant, was a person who should have been supporting my growth and development, helping me to settle and understand how to do this job more effectively, was doing the complete opposite of, of what was required. And I think as things started to unravel and they realized that actually they were going to be found out for what they had done, they turned like my shift against me. They'd said really unkind things about me to other people to obviously try and isolate me from the rest of the team. Um, it started to unravel and they tried to get me into trouble, which resulted in um, the, uh, the sort of the more formal process of a grievance process being put in place. And it was as I was being interviewed and they were looking at my work and things like this, that it was it was the uh, the, the group that were doing that senior police officers um, that said, actually, you know, 
this doesn't add up. You know, we've been told the, that you're not very good at your job. We've been told that your work's not in order, but actually we're looking at everything that you've got and it's all probably one of the best on the entire shift. Um, and it was them actually that said, we think you're being bullied here. And it was so interesting, Mo, that I'd spent two years internalizing almost being a victim of this of this toxic bullying behavior thinking it was me it was my fault it was something that I was doing for someone else to point out actually this is not you it's them um and it was seen for that and and the sergeant that had been sexually harassing and bullying me was eventually disciplined and they the discipline looked like they got a note in their book and I got moved Again, you know, if you think about that in in an organizational culture of the victim of bullying, the victim of sexual harassment by a senior officer being the one that had to move, you know, that is not that is not okay. We still see that kind of behavior. But actually, in being moved to a different station under a different leadership team, that's when I started to thrive because I now had a leadership team who were incredible. I was um I was taken um onto a shift where I had two incredible sergeants and an inspector who put me back together. You know, they understood what had happened, they supported and helped put me back together again. Um and I started to 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 really flourish in the work that I was doing. So within just a few short years of joining the police service, I went from this kind of really toxic environment to one that was outstanding, you know, that helped me to flourish and thrive and and whilst I might not have recognized it at the time, it's only now that I look back on that and realize the impact that culture and leadership has on our ability as human beings and individuals and the impact that that not just has in the workplace, but the impact that had on the victims that I was trying to help in my work as a police officer, also my family, but outside of that, because I really believe that if we get it right, it doesn't just impact the individual, but it impacts outside so if I'm feeling sad and upset, then it has a direct impact on the person I'm speaking to in the shop, the friendships that I've got, the relationships that I was having, you know, the, the relationship with my parents, because I'm sad, I'm upset. So part of what we do right now stems from that place and, and really feeling that if we get culture right, if we get leadership right, we we can change the world. <laughs> Sounds very utopian, but I really believe that that's true. Well, it's, it's, it's not really utopian. It's, uh, <clears throat> it's, it's really common sense because I can I can relate to what you're saying uh, very much, Emma. Because uh, last few years uh, I was in a corporate company here in Egypt. It was one of the biggest telecom companies, not just in Egypt but in the region, and um, you know. I always say this to my friends, and they don't really, they don't, they, they, they don't really understand. But I always tell them, you know, when we say there's chemistry between two individuals, it goes the same way. If there's no chemistry between the individual and the organization, then there's no way I'll, I'll be able to drive or or do my work. So uh, that that company, uh, I went in. Uh, a lot of you know weird things happened. Uh, I applied to a job like any other person to uh, an online ad, and uh, I discovered that the job was just was not really there. It was 
uh, an idea that they wanted to put in, in, in work. And I was the first person there. So I had no idea what, what the job is required. I had no kind of benchmarking. Uh, my, my, the leadership there didn't understand what they wanted. They had you know, a kind of weird, uh, exciting idea. And it only lasted for one month. Then after that, the leadership decided, no, 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 scrape, scrape it all off. So I was literally after a month with no job title in a company. I have I had three months probation, so I didn't understand uh, what's going to happen to me, especially coming from a year uh, of unemployment. So I was, you know, like any normal uh, person, afraid and uh, didn't really know what's going to happen. And and other things started to happen. After that, that same manager uh, sent me to a different department. Skill set there didn't work out. I tried my best. Uh, manager there was very, you know, very toxic. Didn't help. Uh, wanted to, uh, to to kick me out of the company, and I, I really uh, fought very hard. I got what I wanted, and I, I told HR at that time uh, because I wasn't I wasn't that young, and I understood how things go. I told them. Didn't coach me, didn't help me, didn't teach me, didn't support me. I, I, I just learned things by myself alone. So don't blame me if I perform. And, and it kept on going for like two years. I, I left him, I went to another uh, uh, team and another department, so on and so forth. And all the time I, I, I felt really depressed, really sad, uh, very. Uh, you know, it, 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 not introverted as much as, but you know, I didn't want anyone uh, to know anyone. Uh, just leave me alone. And I kept on saying that to my, my parents, my wife, and my aunt. No one really understood that being depressed affects your you know, uh, work. And it's not, uh, you know, like I said to other guests, it's not a, a magic button uh, off. I'm a happy person, uh, and uh, on I'm a depressed person. It doesn't go like it takes it process. It takes time, and, and I need help. Uh, and so that's part of what uh, what happened. And of course, the Corona started. <clears throat> and I thought that after the Corona, and that's my question to you. Companies would wake up and change their attitude towards towards mental health, towards uh, wellness at the workplace. Um, I don't know if it's the same in the UK, but here in Egypt, still mental health and wellness is the, the lowest priority for any company here in Egypt. It's, yeah. it's the last thing. And me and, and a lot of good coaches I know, we are trying to advocate, trying to make people aware that if your employees are unhappy, if they have mental issues, if they're stressed, they're anxious, if they're uh, uh, on, on the verge of burning out, and your company is going down. My companies won't go down. And even if you want to lay them off and get uh, new people, the cost of training and the 
know, getting those people up to speed and everything. So it costs something. It's not an easy thing. But still today, still, still today, there are companies that say they have mental health and wellness initiatives, but it's all you know, just a, a smoke screen for, for, for to get the employees there. There are some companies, there's still hope, there are some companies, but very little that are really, you know, uh, put the employee number one. So I, I don't know, my question to you, is it the same uh, in your area? Yeah, um, so I think that many, I think many organizations now have woken up to the idea that we need to be of service to our people, that it's important that we look out for and look after our people. Things are really changing around mental health, around conversations, around well-being. I think some of the problems are that many organizations like the idea that they're a well-being company. Um, one of our strap lines is people first. Um, so what we try and help companies to understand is if you put your people first, they will take care of the outcomes. Most organizations go to outcomes. So they're looking at, you know, whatever they're producing, their goods, their services, so the outward facing customer serving brand. We try and flip that and say, you have to look at your employee brand. So how are you branding for your employees? What is the employee journey, the employee experience? Because of course we know, and it's such simple science that when we help people to flourish and thrive they do their best work i think a lot of people understand the concept of that they and so they talk about it in their organizations i think that the problem that we still have is they don't know how they don't know how to do it so they like the idea they know it's the right thing to do from a moral perspective but they're still struggling with how and covid was a really interesting time because we all experience our own individual personal traumas and those traumas have a direct impact on our ability to understand and experience the world around us. And for many of us, we live in this technology based world where everything is very quick. We are distracting ourselves more and more from being able to lean into our emotions and our feelings and you know, the the rise of Amazon, I think, is a really good example of that. So many people can, you know, and even I've got a 14 year old and, and sometimes he wants something and he'll say, just Amazon it. You know, it's this kind of there's a language around just Amazon it because I can have it instantly. And so I think that um, that for many of us, we have a lot of trauma that we haven't dealt with. And, and, and because we distract ourselves you know, from all the kind of hedonic happiness stuff. So hedonic happiness being the things that we get joy and pleasure from hedonistic, you know, buying, drinking, gambling, you know, whatever it might be, we're just consistently numbing. And I think that COVID was a collective trauma. So as a race of human beings, we've never been more connected through trauma because of COVID. But actually when COVID hit and... People started to work from home, work intensified for many people. There became a disconnect between work and and home life. And and I think that we still haven't found the boundaries around that. There's a blur, it's still very blurred. And so we're seeing people talking about well-being in organizations and trying to understand and manage it. 
without recognizing that actually most of us in our workplaces are still haven't processed this collective trauma of COVID, that people are still have this intensification in relation to the work that they're doing from home. We live in this loneliness epidemic. Everyone's feeling really lonely. You know, um, there, there's some research a few years ago that loneliness, the effect on the body is the equivalent of smoking. I think it was like 15 cigarettes a day. I think it was Halton Luntad's work. You know, and, and so actually so many of us are in this space and and until we enable people the space to release and understand the trauma that they've experienced that's now impacting their work on a day-to-day basis, you know, we're all just kind of rushing through. I don't think organizations are going to be able to, they really need to think about how they're going to support people differently. But it's, again, it's that piece of them finding that they know they should but they don't know how. But, you know, uh, one of the guests that I had, Hamid, uh, 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 he's a, a high-performance coach. He lives in Frankfurt, Germany. And we had that same discussion. And I told them, for me, I, I have four simple things that organizations can do with no cost at all. And it's, you know, basically very easy. So the first one would be that, uh, let people uh, not go on social media for like uh, 30, 30 minutes, 40 minutes. Let them have a break. Let them go out, walk, uh, see the sun, see the birds, uh, breathe in the fresh air. I'm not saying I'm talking about meditation, just saying just be by yourself without anything in your uh, pockets or a watch or, or what whatever this is one the other thing is they can and I've seen this in Egypt here we have a company here who have designed uh, meeting rooms uh, but you know, a meditation room so you can go and meditate so go and meditate stay there that's the same third thing and I think that's maybe a better way to do it is that Management should have like a, a, I don't know, a monthly, a weekly, uh, I don't know how it will go, of, um, I would say, vulnerable talk or the vulnerability of talking or whatever. I, I don't know. Uh, a circle, and it should be a circle of safe space where managers, employees, uh, leaders sit together and be as vulnerable as possible. No judgment. And I think uh, Simon Sinek, the, the writer uh, in uh, Infinite Games uh, book, he said that if you create a safe space for employees, employees uh, will be vulnerable, will share what they have, and they will, you know, work their hearts. Don't need employees to be loyal. You need employees to love what they do. And they will be loyal regardless of what, what they know. What they're doing is, has impact. Uh, they have a good management. The problem is I, I had so many managers. None of them uh, have that uh, concept of if I make a mistake, I'm only a human being. I can make a mistake. Big, small, it's a mistake. But you have to teach me why I made the mistake. And you have to be at the back 
my, have my back uh, case is like low back or there's an issue that doesn't happen. The manager you know, throws me in front of the fire. Yeah, it's him. He did the mistake. That's it. So, yeah. so it's the same. Uh, same thing. I, I'm guessing, uh, like the story you told, your sergeant most probably, from what I hear, would have you know said, yeah, she's the one who did that, or yeah, she's she's the one who did that, didn't fill that report. Anything to 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 put you uh, in the line of fire so that you can take all the the blame and all the. So this is this is what what you know. These are very cost effective nothing they don't require any kind of you know intervention from a company like yours or a coach or anything it's just common sense for me it's common sense create an environment that has safety and people will thrive and will uh, will will work uh, their uh, their whole their whole heart and uh, today I, I'm working with two lovely women in a coaching company, very small company. But the difference between them and a big company is that they have my have my back, and so I give all my heart and all, and I don't mind. I can work till at night, give all my heart, and do the best I can for them. So, so you know, that's the difference. This is not like a, a company with a thousand employees. We're like two or three people in the company, so it's not big. So what, yeah. we know who, who makes the mistake. I mean, if there's a mistake, that's going to happen. It's only one of uh, us who did it. But, but the idea is, I, I feel safe. I feel I, I belong. That's that's the main idea. Mm-hmm. So my question is, because I have a people have uh, you know the difficulty to understand. And I heard one of your videos. Um, what's the difference between stress, anxiousness, fear, and flow? I know, I know they're big words, but I, re- I really want to know from you as an expert, what's the difference between all four? Okay, so stress, anxiousness, and, and flow, I think you said. Um, and, and fear. And fear. Because fear. Yeah. Yeah. they all... Uh, I think they all, uh, they're all intertwined uh, and interlinked in some kind of way. But even here in Egypt, the word stress with the word anxious, they're uh, interchangeable. Yeah, absolutely. Who wants, who wants yeah. to say I'm stressed, they say I'm anxious. But they don't understand there's a big difference in, in, in meaning even in Arabic and in English in both words. I think, um, so one... One of the things that I'm really interested in and really support um, through the work that we do across businesses, through some of the teaching that we do around well-being um, and, and the one-to-one work that I do with people as well, is that in order to be able to deal with anything that, that, that we're facing, the first thing that we have to do is be able to name what's happening in our body. So actually being able to to create a name for something that we're feeling helps us to validate the feelings that we have. But as I've already mentioned, I think we live in this, we live in this distraction society where so many people have lost connection with their entire being, their entire body. And 
you know, if you if you go to a if you go to a primary school, I don't know if it's the same way you are, but if you go to a primary school in the UK, I've got a 14 year old now. But I remember when he was really very small and, you know, first time going to school, they had these charts on the wall with like a happy and a sad and a kind of a neutral face. And what they were doing there is teaching the children to have language around emotion that enabled them to talk about it. So how do I feel today? And how is this feeling showing up in my body? And how is this feeling showing up in my behavior? I was literally just chatting to, um, we have a cleaner in, in our house, which is an incredible privilege. And she has, um, she's been cleaning for me for a year and her daughter is a year old. So she brings her little girl with her to, to, to help cleaning, which is just delightful. Um, and she was just saying that her little one, she's a year old, she started biting people. And I said, yeah, but it's that being able to release how you feel like in that moment. Of course, when you're one, biting someone is going to be a good way of doing that because I don't have the vocabulary to be able to talk to someone about how I feel when I'm frustrated. But what we stop doing is we stop doing that at some point. I don't know when that happens with adults where we stop saying, here is some language to help you be able to talk about how you're feeling. So whether that's fear, whether that's stress, whether that's anxiety, whether that's flow, whether it's joy, whether it's contentment, we've lost, I think, as adults and frighteningly, I think, as younger people, the ability to actually name, to be able to label our emotions. So when people label their emotions and they might use the word fear or anxiety, For me, it's about helping that person understand what that means to them. Yes, we might look in a dictionary and say, this is the definition of fear. This is in psychology, the definition of anxiety. But it's about going to that person who say, how are you feeling today? And they say, I'm feeling anxious. What does anxiety feel like for you? Tell me more about that feeling. Why is that showing up in your body? How is that impacting on your behavior? How is that impacting on your overall well-being? So I think that what how we name things might not technically you know kind of dictionary version be the right language that we might use but it's the reality for that person in that moment and unless we support people to to learn emotional language have a shared language of 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 emotions then it becomes quite challenging and i think we're losing the ability to do that there's a lovely um free tool you can you can buy them as well but it's just a, a circle of of emotions you've got the basic emotions and then it kind of moves out uh, and it's just we, we have we have it at, at the office the emotion the emotion wheels and emotion wheel. absolutely yeah. every time i go to the office i i, I watch looking at you know all the different emotions under my, for example i don't know fear so there are so many things under it and uh, uh i don't know happiness and and I, I think you're, you're, you're uh, uh, correct when you say that we're not, today we're not able to differentiate our emotions and we're not yeah. able to accept them. Uh, my mentors, uh, my, my Indian mentors, you know, you know, I'm a mindfulness coach and I was certified through uh, an Indian company and we do a lot of meditation and I love meditation and I, I, I think uh, meditation with my prayers as part of the whole package really makes me grounded and you know, uh, 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 I can connect with my inner self. So I always like to say this. Uh, my mentor uh, once told us to do you know, a meditation. Uh, it's called, I think in Hindi, it's called Rasa Sadna, which is uh, you imagine yourself in a magical forest. 
and I love their, their stories, and you're sitting underneath a magical tree, and you're breathing, and you uh, encounter your emotions in terms as if they are real human beings coming to you. So, well, for example, we start usually with the worst emotions in the world. So it's disgust. So you have this, this uh, person who's called disgust is coming, and you uh, shake his hand and tell him, thank you for being in my life. Thank you for, uh, for being there without you. I wouldn't know how to feel that way. And, and so on and so forth, you know, anger, fear, joy, happiness, inner peace, and so on. It's really important uh, for people, and I always say that, to accept whatever you feel. I mean, yeah. I accept sometimes I, I feel down. I, I mean, a few, day, a few days ago, yeah, I think on Friday, I had this weird feeling and emotion, you know, Emma, from the, the time I woke up to the till I slept, I felt, you know, really, not sad, but I wasn't in, in the mood of, uh, of going anywhere. And I was with friends, and I was sitting really quiet. I didn't really know, I didn't want to talk, I didn't want to, I just want to be left alone. For no, no apparent reason, but it's okay. I mean, I, I, I'm okay with it. I, 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 I accept it. Uh, of course, people <clears throat> ask me what's wrong with you. And, uh, yeah. Uh, there's, uh, there's nothing I can say, but uh, I'm okay. I, it's fine. It's no problem. That's the problem with, with, the, with, the, with people today. They don't accept their feelings. I think that we, you know, we culturally, there are some emotions that we like and there are some emotions that we don't like. We like to see happy people. You know, you look at adverts, they're happy. <laughs> we put happy people on, on adverts to, to, you know, and, and we create these kind of, or we curate this kind of process of happiness, don't we, in, in the world. You know, you look at Instagram and TikTok and, it, you know, it's like, oh, I'm happy and, and, and doing really well. And, and of course, so I think culturally, you know, if we see someone sad, if we see someone upset, it actually can make us feel quite uncomfortable. In different different cultures, of course, expressions of that is going to be very different. In the UK, you know, we have this saying in the UK, keep calm and carry on. It's like the most dangerous thing you could ever say to someone. You know, we have all of these phrases, you know, kind of particularly for maybe for women, but, pull, pull, you know, pull your big girl pants on and you know, keep moving forward. And, and and this really toxic language that, that we're often using on a regular basis to say, don't feel the, those feelings. Feel these feelings. And actually, the reality is that, you know, when we look at emotions, of course, emotions we tend to describe because we like to categorize, of course, our brain categorizes information. We categorize emotions as being good, bad, positive, negative. And the ones that we experience that we might describe as bad or negative, those kind of emotions of of anger or upset or of disgust that you've just mentioned, we feel those at a different intensity in our body because our brain thinks we're in danger when we feel those things. So it's like the volume level got turned up on those emotions and they're much more uncomfortable than they are when we feel joy and happiness. So we have this tendency to label them as good and bad. But the reality is that every emotion that we have is a spectrum of human emotions. Every one of them is there to serve us. You know, if we can see every emotion, just as you described, as a friend within us, that's there just inside going, excuse me, you feel like this. This is how you feel in this moment. And it's not forever. 
you know, we experience emotions. They were not emotions. We experience them. And just like we experience the sun, the sun disappears, you know, and we experience the moon, we experience the wind, we experience, you know, the rain, they go away. They're not forever. And so what we want to do is support people to lean into feeling comfortable with being uncomfortable, being comfortable with being uncomfortable. And so it's about being able to just sit with those emotions and think, I, f- I feel that. I genuinely feel that right now. And holding space and validating and labeling your emotions on a regular basis throughout the day is a really powerful thing because it helps us to see that actually no one feels happy all the time, though, do they? No one ever feels happy all the time, you know, but I'm a obviously positive psychology is my thing. I'm a positive psychology geek. I love it. But I think many people have misunderstood what it means you know, that, that we're striving to be happy. And, and actually, that's not attainable. You can't be happy all of the time. I think what we're really looking for is to be happier and having connection to joy, jolts of joy throughout our day. There's jolts of joy as they come in. We can bag them. You know, we can put them in our little kind of bag of or, or uh, you know, some kind of container that we're kind of metaphorically thinking about. There's jolts of joy. If we can recognize and savor them as we move through our day, we become happier. They build up the small things. They build up to something bigger. But, you know, we, we talk about eudaimonia in, in positive psychology. Eudaimonic happiness is this feeling of contentment. But there's also another opposite to that, which is anhedonia, which is feeling meh, feeling blah. I don't feel anything. And that's also a true state for the human experience. I, and I, the mo- I remember the movie, uh, I don't know, the Moji movie, uh, the, the one, the, uh, I don't know, it was Disney, uh, the animation. Oh, movie. yeah, I've never, I've never actually watched that. That's definitely something that I should look at. <laughs> you should, because, you know, when you're talking right now, when I think about it, these, these movies, these animations, Inside Out, the one, uh, okay. feelings and the emojis also. Uh, they have a, a, a very uh, important le- uh, message that no one really understands. It's not the message of the of the movie. It's the message that it is okay, it's okay not to be okay. It's okay to feel eh, meh. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay to feel angry. It's okay to feel sad. So these, you know, it, this is the real message that they want to give. It's okay. It's not. It's not not it's not bad but the, the problem is like like you said people look at instagram look at people oh look how, how happy they are and i always tell people that happiness is not having a smile 24 7 it's not laughing and uh, we we in egypt you know we define happiness uh, when we want to talk happiness corporates mm-hmm. we define happiness with three pillars the first one is you have to have a you have to have inner peace. You have to be okay with yourself. You have to be fine. You're I don't know, overweight. You are obese. Or no, you're okay. It's fine. Fine how you look. So you have to have that kind of knowledge. Second pillar is you know gratitude. You have to be grateful for what you have, and 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 know that uh, you have uh, things that. You take for granted, and you don't know it's the, how, how powerful they are. I mean, other people don't have it, so you have to be grateful. The third pillar 
is you have to always see, seek success. Every step of uh, the way, you have to seek be more successful. Uh, uh, you know, have a, a path towards uh, your dreams. So people think that happiness is just the greatest. It's only one part of it. And yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm grateful to be alive, but but, but I want to live my life in a in, in a nicer, uh, lovelier way, healthier way. Maybe I want to live. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I want to live to a hundred years. I don't know. I, I I can't see the future, but that that's the whole idea. Go ahead. I think um, I think that peace is is an interesting word because people feel that they should be like at some kind of level. And again, we don't feel peaceful all of the time. It's about acceptance. Again, the language that we use around that space is really interesting as to what that might mean to someone. But I think that when we feel like blur, when we're in that kind of middle point and we're just literally managing to function on a daily basis, the thought of trying to move towards some kind of positive goal or outcome can feel impossible in that moment. So that's why I think the jolts of joy of just having throughout the day, being mindful about being grateful, like you know, I, I, just before we we uh, met this morning, Mo, I you know I walked my dog, we walked down the river. And and I could have walked down the river and it could have just been a walk down the river. You know, it's a task I need to do. I need to get the dog walked. I need to get back and do my work. Or I can spend time looking at the incredible nature, looking in the river, seeing the birds flying around and the trees are starting to bloom. You know, we can see the green coming back and and actually just being really present in that moment just adds some jolts of joy to my day. You know, it's I've, I've, I've already started to build some joy in. Now, if I'm already feeling you know, in that kind of point of just, just need to get through my day. I miss those pieces. I forget to do that. So of course, if we're feeling really kind of burnt out, really, you know, we've, we've got trauma that we haven't dealt with and sometimes working towards something big can be just too much for us. It can be quite overwhelming, but actually, you know, sometimes we're in that space and we're feeling really good and, and, and life is as easier for us and we want to work towards those things. Um, but sometimes we don't want to do that. So it's about recognizing the seasons of life that we're in. And sometimes we're in a season where we're absolutely, yes, I'm coming and, you know, get ready world. I'm here. And then sometimes we just want to curl up and, and it's about just being really mindful, being aware. Where am I at right now? It's not forever. It's just for now. And another thing that I just wanted to mention, Mo, as well, that after my, um, experience of being bullied, um, I actually sought counselling. I went and had counselling. And I remember one of the most powerful and empowering things that happened to me in that moment of counselling was when, sorry, there's a real noise in here. I don't know if you could hear that. Um, was I kept saying to the counsellor, he makes me feel like this. He makes me feel like that. He makes me feel the other. And I remember the counselor saying to me, no one can make you feel anything. Yeah. No one can make you feel anything. And it was like this light bulb came on that was, oh my gosh, I'm enabling this person to make me feel these things. I get to choose. I've got a circle of control here that I can tap into and I can make choices. And it really was one of the most powerful things I've experienced and something that I hold on to this day that I get to choose. 
I get to behave in the way that I want to behave in and I get to choose how, not choose my feelings because, you know, obviously I, I feel the things that I do, but I get to take control of what I do with those feelings. And, and the release that came with that, because I suddenly was like, that's his, they're his things, his issues. Exactly. There was a real sense of peace that came with that. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. I mean, uh, I, I totally, totally agree with what you're saying. Um, and I wanted to understand from you, uh, what, what five tips would you give for stress release in the workplace? Because uh, my listeners and people are, are, are around the world are all uh, having stress, you know, feeling it in different levels. Uh, yeah. here, here in Egypt, of course, we're feeling stress uh, uh, extra stress because the economy is you know, not really great. Uh, the currency is, uh, is looks really bad. Inflation rate is really bad. Prices are, you know, they're fluctuating like crazy. I mean, you know, uh, things things can be one price for an hour, and the second hour be a different price. So, uh, and it's it's felt through throughout the society here, my country. Region and most probably even around the world, that, that there's a lot, of, a lot of uh, you know, anger and fear, and, uh, and 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 it has nothing to do with the, with the, your you know, lower class, middle class, upper class doesn't really differentiate uh, which which part of society you are in. I mean, yeah. uh, we are all feeling the pain on some kind of level. So yeah. So what, what, what five tips would you? Okay. So I was, I was trying to write them down quickly as you were saying, thinking about them. So I'm going to say my first tip is to check in and feel, feel the feelings. Um, and, and, and name the feelings, like get a, get a chart. Just, you know, you can pull it up on Google. This, you know, the, um, feelings wheel that we've just talked about. Um, pull it up and just check in with it, print it off, have it somewhere nearby. Just, what is the feeling that I feel? That's the first thing I would say. And do that regularly throughout the day if you can. The second one is validate it. Validate the feeling and, and, and understand that feelings are feelings. They're all human feelings. They're not good and they're not bad. They just are what they are. So validate that you feel that thing right now. And there's a reason, a good reason why you feel it. I think my third one is look at what you can and can't control. So what I didn't mention is that I spent 16 years in service as a police officer before being diagnosed with a really rare brain condition. I had to have major brain surgery and that's why I'm no longer a police officer. I thought I would be a police officer my entire service. Um, so after my brain surgery, um, I was medically retired from the police because I've got part of my skull and spine missing. It was too dangerous for me to continue to work as a police officer. Um, but the circle of influence around that was, I get to choose the experience I have in brain surgery. There were feelings of fear and, and worry and, and anger and upset, but actually I chose to look for the, the positive and possible. I felt all the feelings, but I, I looked at what can I control in this space? And I, and I focused on that in that moment of trauma, in that moment of challenge and difficulty. I looked for what can I control? So my third one would be, what can you control here? My fourth one is self care. Self-care is 
it doesn't have to be huge. It doesn't have to be, you know, going on a weekend spa somewhere. It can be just something really simple, like just taking some deep breaths, walking in nature, you know, having a really nice cup of something that you enjoy, a herbal tea, a coffee, whatever it might be, and savoring it in that moment. You know, self-care doesn't have to be huge, but it's about just taking a moment of time based on the feelings that you're feeling that actually you're going to do something to support you positively right now. And my fifth one is connection, because, you know, we are lonely. So many people are lonely. Reach out, find someone to talk to, a friend, a relative. I've got a dog here. I talk to him all the time. (laughs) Talk to the dog. But, you know, there's feelings that we get from being with people, the oxytocin that's released in our brain. We can also get in nature. So if we can't connect to people, connect to nature. Um, Even if it's just for a moment outside, take your shoes off, stand on the ground, touch a tree, hold a plant, whatever it might be. Those feelings can really have, it sounds really silly, but they do scientifically, they've been proven to have such a big difference. Uh So my five are feel it, second, validate it, third, control Fourth, self-care and fifth connection. Yeah, they're, they're, they're amazing. I mean, I, I like all, all five of them and I, I, I think uh, I also agree with you. Connection is key. We're social animals by nature and, and, and we feed off uh, from the energy of others, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, I think uh, I, I think the connection is also really amazing, especially uh, nature and nature walk, and we always say this. Uh, we have uh, clients. Yeah, walking is an amazing meditation itself because you are mindful because you're present where you are. But that's really amazing. Oh yeah, I can see your dog. So, yeah. yeah, he's behind you. <laughs> there he is. Hello. <laughs> What's his name? It's called Blake. He's a golden doodle. So he's a big fluffy bear and he's the sweetest thing you could ever wish to meet. Okay. He likes to have hugs. <laughs> Hi, Blake. Okay, so so I have two final questions. One of them is, I want to ask you, what's one word or one sentence that describes you? Ooh, I'm going to say Creative. Great. And finally, what's your what's your dream? What's what? Sorry. What's your dream? What's your hope? What do you want to do? My dream. Yeah. My dream is to help as many organisations as possible, create the most outstanding places that support people to actually go to those workplaces and feel good and thrive. That's that's amazing. Amazing. Thank you. I know. I know we can stay for for a long time talking together because uh, I really enjoyed uh, your conversation yeah. and I really enjoyed your story. And I think you are an amazing human being and uh, very, uh, very uh, tough, tough and strong woman. Uh, Thank especially because you know it's not an easy in- industry or area as a police woman. Um, addition, you know, policing is a difficult job. It has a, a lot of stress and a lot of uh, issues. Uh, I, th- I really thank you for the service that you gave. Uh, and, uh, you're such an amazing, amazing human being. And thank you very much.
uh, I hope we can continue. <laughs> that would be that would be uh, my honor and my my humble. Uh, I would be really humbled to have you uh, as a guest again. Yeah, amazing. Thank you, thank you, thank uh, you for having me. It's been amazing. I've really enjoyed chatting to you too. Same here, same here, same here. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening in. Uh, God bless you and be safe. And until next week, uh, be mindful.